All right, we are starting a brand new series today, and uh, I kind of set this up this way on purpose. We had so many people last week that came to our church for the first time, 649 people that started a brand new journey with Jesus Christ last week. Well, one of the first things you need to know as a new believer or somebody that's maybe just getting plugged into a Bible teaching church is we need to know how to hear from God. We need to know how to recognize when God is talking to us, how to recognize his voice. And so starting a new series today entitled Be Listening. Everybody shout, Be Listening. listening. Now everybody shout it, Be Listening. And our text verse is right here, Mark chapter 4, verse 23 from the Amplified Bible. It says, if any man has ears to hear, let him be listening and let him perceive and comprehend. Now, in a couple months, I'm actually going to be doing a series entitled Hot Topics. And the Hot Topics series is where a few a couple months ago, last month, we asked all of you to send in your questions, any question you'd like to have me answer. And I'm going to take, I think, three weeks I got set aside where my whole message on those Sundays is going to be to answer some of your contemporary questions, some of your questions about the Bible, some of your questions about things that are happening in society. But one of the number one questions I have gotten over these 30 years of being in ministry full-time now, is how do I know if I'm hearing from God? Is, is it possible to still hear from God? I mean, I know God talked to people in the, in the Bible, in the Old Testament. God spoke to people in the New Testament. But, I mean, can we still hear from God today? And if, if I'm hearing from God, how do I know if it's God? How do I know if it's not just me? How do I know, how do I know, how do I know it's not the devil trying to trick me in some way? How do I know it's not, you know, some bad pasta I got a hold of and it's just causing me to hear things I shouldn't be hearing? People want to know, can I still hear from God today? And if so, how, what does that look like? How do I tune my spiritual ear to recognize God's voice? I can, I can relate to that. Because I remember I, I grew up in a good Baptist church. Thank God for the Baptist church I grew up in. But when I finally came to a word-teaching church, a church called Word of Faith Christian Center in Detroit, Michigan, came there with my girlfriend at the time, April, and she had grown up there in that church. And that was the first time I heard a pastor just stand and just talk. And just teach from the Bible. Wasn't yelling, wasn't screaming, organ wasn't tuning him up, but he just taught us a lesson. And I remember the first time I heard the pastor, Pastor Butler, say, and the Lord said to me, and I stopped and kind of leaned and I said, is this man trying to make us think that God talks to him? Because I had never heard anybody say that the Lord said something to them, and they could recount what the Lord said. But the longer I came to the church, the more I realized it wasn't a, an, an abnormality for God to talk to him. It wasn't something special God was doing by talking to him. I came to realize that if you are born again, God talks to all of us. Even when we don't know he's talking to us, God talks to all of us. Watch this. And many times we've made decisions based on what God told us, and we didn't realize it was him. And sometimes we've missed the mark because we didn't listen to what God said. And many times we said this way, something told me. Something told me I should have done this. I don't know why I did that, but something told me that this, this is the way I should have gone with it. Well, God is speaking to all of us. Watch this. Even when we weren't saved, God was still talking to us. He was still talking to us, trying to lead us, trying to make the right connections in our lives. And we just need to learn how to fine-tune our hearing so we can get to the place of recognizing his voice. So these next few weeks, I'm going to take you into the weeds a little bit and teach you how to recognize when you're hearing from God. When I, it's going to be a little bit deep, a little bit heavy. So before we get into the heavy stuff, I want to give you a joke. Because <laughs> yeah, you're looking a little sad, so I want to lighten the mood a little bit, right? So there was these three friends, and they all passed away together, and they, they went to heaven together. And when they got to heaven together, St. Peter greeted them at the gates of heaven, and he's giving them the rundown of heaven. He said, I need to give you the rules first. 
And he said, the main rule you need to understand is, as you walk around heaven, do not step on a duck. And the guy's like, don't step on a duck. I mean, we waited this long to get to heaven, and the first thing you tell us, don't step on a duck. And so what happens if we step on a duck? And he's like, no, no, you don't want to know what happens. Just trust me. Do not step on a duck. Well, you know, there's always that one friend out of the three that's going to test the rules. You, you might be sitting next to that one friend right now. So that one friend was like, well, I don't believe that's going to happen if I step on a duck. And so he went up and just quack, stepped right on the duck. And as soon as he did, this angel just came out of nowhere, put this handcuff on his wrist, long chain came, and chained him to the ugliest woman he had ever seen in his entire life. And the angel said, you are now chained to her for the, all eternity. The other two friends were like, whoa. They're like, we don't want that happening. So they said, we're going to go to bed. So they went to bed to get a nap, went to sleep. In the middle of the night, one of them got up to use the heavenly bathroom. I made that part up. As soon as he stepped out of the bed, he didn't realize he was sleeping. He stepped out of the bed, quack, stepped on the duck. Out of nowhere, this angel came and put a handcuff on his wrist, a chain next to it, and handcuffed him to the ugliest woman he had ever seen in his life. The angel said, you are now chained to her throughout all eternity. Third guy was like, whoa. My two friends got chained to the ugliest woman in the world because they stepped on a duck. He said, whatever I do, I'm not stepping on any ducks. So he's tiptoeing around heaven. He's making sure he goes around all the ducks. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, this angel shows up and handcuffs him, and this chain comes out, and he gets chained to the prettiest woman he has ever seen. He's blown away. He's stunned. He says to her, oh, my God, what did I do to deserve you? She said, I don't know what you did, but I stepped on a duck. <laughs> ah. <laughs> don't look around. Don't, do not look around. But next time you see that odd couple go quack, 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 quack. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so why do we need to be listening? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 says this, but understand this, that in the last days, everybody shout last days. So everybody shout last days. In the last days, dangerous times of great stress and trouble will come. Difficult days that will be hard to bear. The Bible says through the Apostle Paul that in the last days, we're going to live in a time of dangerous times, times of great stress, times of great trouble, that are going to be difficult days that are going to be hard to bear. How many know we're living in those last days right now? I mean, I, I'm sure it can get worse. It's hard to imagine it can get much worse than this. It's hard to imagine it getting much worse than having all these weather events happening all over the place where you can have it flooding on one side of the country and, and wildfires happening on the other side of the country. It's hard to imagine it getting worse than looking up almost every other week, it feels like, and your phone is notifying you of an active shooter situation somewhere in our society. It's hard to imagine it, it getting much worse than banks collapsing around us and having wars over in Ukraine, Russia, and, and rumors of war with China and Taiwan. But the Bible says in the last days, we're going to live in some very dangerous times. And because we're living in very dangerous times, it behooves us to know how to hear the voice of God. 
See, God is the great shepherd. The Bible says in, in the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. A better translation is, because the Lord is my shepherd, I will not live in want. Why? Because the great shepherd guides us away from lack. He guides us away from trouble. Come on, somebody. He guides us away from calamity. Because even when things are a shock and a surprise to mankind, it's never a shock to God. So when we fine-tune our spiritual ears and we learn how to recognize when God is talking to us, we learn how to recognize that leading on the inside. God will always, hear me out, he will always lead us around the trouble and into a place of safety. But that requires us to know how to recognize his voice. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 3 says, The wise see danger ahead and they avoid it. But fools keep going and end up getting into trouble. Has anybody been the wise one that went around in trouble before? Let me ask you this. Is anybody willing to admit that you've been the foolish one that... Anybody willing to admit you've been the foolish one that has walked right straight into the middle of trouble? I feel a lion spirit in this section right here. Come on. Come on. We've all been that foolish one before. Come on, somebody. Don't act super holy in here on me. We have all been the foolish one. And afterwards, we look back and say, man, if I had known then what I know now. Well, how about if we tapped into something that gives us inside information? How about if we tapped into a flow of God where we learn how to recognize when he's talking to us and we start just obeying what he's saying to do so that we can avoid being the foolish one ending up into trouble and we can continue to live this life on this pathway of being the wise one doing exactly what God has prescribed for us to do. Deuteronomy 28 and 2, it says, You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. All these blessings that King James says will come on you and overtake you. All these blessings. What blessings? You'll be blessed in the city and blessed in the field. Come on, you'll be blessed in the basket and blessed in the store. Come on, you'll be blessed when you come in. You'll be blessed when you go out. You'll be the head, not the tail. Come on, somebody. You'll be above only and never beneath. Watch this. You'll be the one lending to many nations and not having to borrow from anybody else. Come on, everything you put your hands to do, the Bible says, will prosper. The Bible says all these blessings will come on you if you listen to, take heed to the voice of the Lord your God. How many know this is still the year of the blessing of the Lord for us? Come on, if, you, if you're new here, if you're, if you're visiting with us, beginning of this year, God gave us a word for our church. And the word of the Lord for us is this is the year of the blessing of the Lord which means God's blessing, which caused us to prosper, which caused us to be propelled forward. The blessing is coming on us. But can I tell you, in order for us to experience the full measure of God's blessing, it does require that we learn how to listen to his voice and do what he's saying to do. I mean, God loves us no matter what. And I mean, I'm sure you've come to recognize that he's not going to turn his back on us even when we turn our back on him. That's what the Bible calls grace. I said last week, when God's got his eyes on you, he's not going to turn his back on you. Even when you turn to try to walk away from him, he'll be like a shadow right there on your tail. He's not going to walk away from us. But just because God doesn't leave us when we don't do what he says to do, doesn't mean that we get to have the full benefit of what could come our way when we don't do what he says to do. In fact, I would be so bold as to say that being obedient to God is still the master key to winning in life. It really is. You know, we built this building or renovated this building. This used to be a belt department store, and we bought the belt department store. I, I'm, I'm believing God to buy this whole entire mall. I'm telling you that right now. I'm, la I'm laying claim to this entire property. I really am. 
for us to renovate it, for us to, for us, for us to create jobs out here, and for us to come and breathe life back into this place. <laughs> for people to ride by here, and it won't be a, 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 an eyesore riding by here. People going to ride by here, bless God. I'm declaring this by faith. They're going to ride by here and see life coming right back into this place in Jesus' name. Well, we took the first steps to, to believe in what God could do here. So we bought the Belk Department store that used to be here. It's a 200,000 square foot building. On one side of it, we renovated the, the bottom floor to turn it into our church. The other side of the bottom floor, we've turned into our school, Impact Christian Academy, a pre-K all the way through 12th grade school. Well, I remember when they, when we, they, they drew the plans up and we were standing in this building. I'm looking at the plans. I think the lingerie department is right here. So you are sitting in the lingerie department. And... <laughs> When they, when they brought the plans out, you know, they, they give, give, give you the electrical schedule so you know what kind of, how all the electrical is going to be laid out. They give you a lighting schedule so you know what, what types of lights they're putting in different places. But they also give you a door schedule. And the door schedule tells you what, what doors are going where, what kind of panic alarms have to be on the doors. You get all that in the door schedule. But also with the door schedule, you realize that there are hundreds of doors throughout this entire building. And every door in here, watch this, is keyed with a different key. So, I mean, obviously, so, you know, if you've got a key to get into the auditorium, you shouldn't have the, the ability to get into other rooms as well without a different key. So the, the doors are keyed differently. Well, I didn't want to walk around this building looking like, you know, Bookman from Good Times. <laughs> Y'all kids know who Bookman is from Good Times. <laughs> Go back to Comedy Central, watch you some Good Times reruns. So I told them, I, I don't want to walk around with, with 600 keys, so I want you to give me one key. So there's one key right here that I have will open up every single door in this entire building. In fact, last Sunday I had some family in town for Easter. So after everybody went home, we ate, came back up here after eating dinner, and I walked them around and gave them a tour. And I was proud to be able to pull out my one key. Make me feel like the man. <laughs> uh, there's one key, and I'm opening up every door. Every door. Why? This one key is called a what? It's a master key. Well, watch this. See, in life, many times we want, we want six steps to get our finances better. We want eight, eight, eight keys to improving our, our health. We want nine keys to living a better life. But can I tell you, there's one master key. There's one master key that opens up all the doors and will ensure, it won't ensure that you never have trouble. It'll ensure every time you have trouble, you have solutions. That one master key, hearing and obeying God, is the master key to true success and fulfillment in life. If you want to know how to make sure you win in every area of life, this is the master key. Listen to what God has said and then do what he said to do. So in order for me to listen to what God has said and be confident that I can do it, I need to learn how to recognize when God is talking to me. So here's it. Here's this. I got to learn how to know God's voice. See, over in John chapter 10, Jesus is teaching a lesson to a crowd of people, and he's got some of his disciples in the crowd, but he's also got some religious folks, the Pharisees and the scribes in the, in the, in the crowd. And so he's using a metaphor about how the shepherd and the sheep uh, connect with each other. He's talking about how the sheep listen to the voice of the shepherd. Now, if I was starting a lesson today, I wouldn't start with shepherds and sheep because most of us don't herd sheep. We live in the city, so that's not our normal life. But the group of people he was talking to were farmers, shepherds. So using an illustration about shepherds and sheep, they knew exactly what he was saying. And in John chapter 10, verse 3, it says the gatekeeper opens the gate for him. And the sheep, watch this, listen to his what? Come on, the sheep, listen to his what? He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. 
When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his what? They know his what? But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, the sheep will run away from the stranger because they do not recognize a stranger's what? Jesus uses figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was trying to tell them. So he went on further in chapter, chapter 10, verse 14, and he cleared it up. He said, let me, let me clear it up for you. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. In verse 27, he says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. So Jesus was teaching a lesson. He was saying that those that are connected to me, those that have pledged allegiance to me, those that have become a part of my family, in our times, those that have confessed Jesus Christ as their Lord. Jesus says, you become my sheep. He said, there's a trait, a quality about my sheep. He said, my sheep know my voice. My sheep listen to my voice. Watch this, and my sheep will only follow my voice. Which means when a strange voice tries to tell them to move out of the city to go get $10,000 more, and it could end up messing up their family, he said, my sheep won't follow that voice. He said, when a strange voice shows up, and tries to tell the girl how cute she is and how you ought to just come and be my girl. He says, my sheep learn how to listen to my voice. They will not follow the voice of a stranger. So what we got to do is make sure we fine-tune our hearing so we can indeed declare, I'm a sheep of the Most High God. Amen. And I found a video on, on social media that I think was just great for you to see because it, it gives an actual illustration of what happens when three different students try to make this sound to make these sheep come into them. The sheep won't even lift their head to pay attention to them. But the moment the farmer, the actual shepherd that they're used to hearing, the one that they know cares for them. Watch, the one that they know protects them. Come on, the one that they know is feeding them and providing for them. The moment they hear the voice of their shepherd, you'll notice their heads pop up, and you eventually notice they follow the shepherd's voice. <laughs> One more time.
Come on, is that cool or what? What to God do we become more like real sheep? That when a stranger's trying to pull us off course, when a stranger's trying to distract us, come on, when, a, when, a, when the enemy sends a strange man our way, and it's cuffing season, I act like you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Would to God that we could get to the place where we refuse to hear the cut it, Because for some of you, the devil knows all he's got to do is send somebody tall, good looking, with a job. And what Jesus is saying is, I'm trying to get you to tune your ear to where even when the devil sends something or somebody to call your name, you won't even lift your head up to acknowledge what they are saying. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. See, if we can get honest with ourselves, a lot of the trouble we end up in in life is not because the devil is attacking us. A lot of the trouble we end up in in life is because we're listening to voices that are not the most high God. We've allowed something or somebody else to become a shepherd in our lives. And we've allowed ourselves to entertain their voice. Even when we know it's not the voice of God, we'll still listen for a little while. And before we know it, this strange voice becomes common to us because we've been allowing ourselves to listen and to feast on it and entertain it. And then eventually we say it's not that bad. Before we know it, we start making steps in a direction that's heading somewhere that God never told us to go. Then we look up, watch as we, we made an entire mess out of our lives. And the good news is that God is still right there waiting on us when we finally come to ourselves. Come on, but at some point, we got to get to the place where we stop going from mess to better and mess to better, and we just go from glory to glory and let God keep taking us higher. Come on, shout amen, somebody. Come on, shout amen, somebody. One of the reasons so many Christians live a defeated life is because we've not trained ourselves to hear God's voice only. See, faith to hear from God is confidence in Jesus' ability to lead his sheep. Faith to hear from God is confidence to Jesus, in Jesus' ability to lead his sheep. Say this out loud. Jesus is my shepherd. Jesus is my shepherd. Come on, say it like me. Jesus is my shepherd. Jesus is my shepherd. I am one of his sheep. I know him. He knows me. I listen for his voice. I hear his voice. I recognize his voice. And I follow his voice. Now, I'm going to have you make that confession again. But, and even if, you, even if your head has a hard time with that, even if you're sitting there saying, I don't know if I've ever heard God's voice, I want you to declare this by faith. If you are born again, I want you to declare this by faith. Say, Jesus is my shepherd. I am one of his sheep. I know him. He knows me. I listen for his voice. I hear his voice. I recognize his voice. I follow his voice. And I have victory because I'm following the shepherd. Now, if you believe that, give him a shout like you expect victory. Come on, shout like you're expecting victory. Come on, shout like you recognize the voice of God. Come on, shout like there's no stranger that you're willing to listen to. Shout like you're shutting down every other voice but the voice of the Most High God. See, the enemy will come along and he'll try to find your weak spot. If your weakness is you need attention, he'll find a voice that's going to give you attention. If your weakness is I didn't have a good dad in my life, he'll find you somebody to play that role. 
If your weakness is, I've been struggling getting up this financial mountain, they'll send you somebody that'll offer you some money to do something that's going to take you right out of the will of God. Which is why we have to make a decision. I'm a, I'm a part of the, the sheepfold of the Most High God. I hear his voice. Come on. I block out every other voice. A stranger is not going to trip me up. Come on, somebody. A stranger is not going to get me off track. I am tuned in to the God channel, and I hear and recognize his voice. Now, the number one way to become more sensitive to God's voice is by getting more of God's word, scripture, in your heart. See, most times when we think about God speaking, we think about hearing an actual audible voice. And there are times that God will communicate in an audible way where a person can hear the literal sound of his voice. I, I remember one time in particular I can think of where I believe I heard the actual voice of God. It was uh, 1990. I, had, I was just starting to come to the church in Detroit, Word of Faith. So my whole world is changing, man. I'm a student at Michigan State University still. I'm working for General Motors up in Flint, Michigan at Buick City doing engineering work. And so I'm, 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 I'm home on the weekend because April is in Detroit. So I'm coming to visit with her on the weekend. And then Monday morning, I got to be back in Flint, Michigan. So I wait till Monday morning early to drive up to Flint, Michigan. And I remember driving up to Flint, Michigan. I got worship music going on in the car because I'm just now getting exposed to this new worship music stuff. And as I'm worshiping God, I it felt like I heard a voice behind me. Now, I, don't know, I don't know if I actually heard it with my, my, my actual ear or not, but I heard a voice that said, you are to be a minister. And I, it, it, it sounds so loud and so real, I literally turned around. So I'm, I'm like, I know I was the only one in this car. But it, it felt so real to me that it caused me to literally turn around to see if there's anybody in the back seat. Now, again, it might not have been the actual audible voice of God, but even if it was an internal voice, it was so it resonated in my heart so strongly that I felt like I actually heard God speak to me. Well, now, that's one of the few times that I can actually say it felt like I heard God's voice. Most times, if I say the Lord said to me, it's not an, a voice that I hear with my ear. It's, it's, a, it's a, a recognition on the inside. It's, a, it's what we call a knowing in my knower. I just know. I just, I just recognize. And uh, Let me tell you, though, how you get to the place where you learn how to recognize when God is talking to you like that. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, All scripture is inspired by God, <clears throat> and it is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses the scripture to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. See, the primary way that God speaks to us is through his word. The primary way that God speaks to us is through his word. I mean, God is speaking to some of you right now. God is giving you clarity from his word. See, the Bible, listen to this, the Bible is the language of heaven, which is why you can rest in this fact. God will never say anything to us that contradicts what he already wrote to us. God's never going to say anything to us that contradicts what he already wrote to us. That's why you're never going to hear the Lord tell you that somebody else's husband is supposed to be your husband. That was not the Lord. That was the devil, the devils, <laughs> Satan. God's, he's never going to say something to us. Watch this. That contradicts what he's already spoken to us in his word. But if we want to get to the place where we learn how to recognize when he is speaking to us, we've got to have more of his word in our heart. The language of heaven is the Bible, which means everything that heaven says agrees with the word of God. Which means even if somebody is prophesying over you, speaking something over your life, it's always got to line up with the Bible. 
Because the Holy Spirit is never going to say something to us directly that is different than what he's already spoken to us in his word. Here's another quote for you. The foundational way that God leads us is through scripture. The more scripture we get in our heart, the more we fine-tune our ear to recognize God's voice. It's, it's simple. The more time you spend with somebody in their language, you get to know them better. You know, I've, I've been with my wife. We'll be married 30 years this year. We'll be together 34 years this year. 34 years. Well, now, I, I'm 53. That means I've been with my mother my entire life, 53 years. If either one of these two women in a crowd like this were to call my name, I could recognize their voice. I mean, true story, I, I could be sometime here on the front row worshiping God. My mother can walk into the second row and cough. And I know my mother's behind me on this side right here. Well, now, why? It's not some magical powers. It's because if, when you've been with somebody for that long, when you've heard their voice for that long, come on, talk to me, somebody. You recognize their voice. It's no different with God. When you spend enough time with God, you learn how to recognize when he's talking to you. When you spend enough time in God's word, watch this, you get the language of heaven in your heart. You know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to learn Spanish. And I've been, been at it for a minute. It's a, it's a promise I made to myself. And I'm going to go to our Peru church, and one of these days I'm going to preach a whole sermon in Spanish. And I'm trying, man. And so eventually I'm going to take some class, but I've been starting with this little Duolingo app. And it's, it's been great, man, because I've been jamming every day. And, it, you know, every day reminds you to keep your streak going. And I had like a 75-day a, a streak going. I was killing it, man. And somebody hacked my Duolingo. Who hacks a Duolingo? You have nothing better to do. So I tried to get it cleaned up, and I couldn't. I finally had to, had to X out of that account. I had to start a whole new account, which means I had to go all the way back to the beginning. And so now as I'm going through the, from the beginning, though, I'm looking like a rock star. Because it's asking me, do you know what Muhari is? I'm like, woman. <laughs> what about hombre? Man. Leche? Milk. <laughs> So I'm sitting, I'm sitting like a stud, man, because I know a few words now because I, I had gotten first. Watch this. I know enough to feel pretty good at the beginning of Duolingo, but I don't know enough to go to Peru and have a conversation. How many believers know enough to tell you where Genesis is? And I can tell you a little bit about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but don't really know enough to have enough of God's language. I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. How many of us, we know enough to kind of feel our way around, but we haven't spent enough time in God's word to have it in our heart to the point to where when God is trying to talk to us, it's, we, we can pick out a little bit of what he's saying here there. We can grab a word of what he's saying here there, but we haven't put enough of the Bible in our heart. We haven't studied to show ourselves approved enough to know his language when he's talking to us. Are you still with me? Matthew 7, verse 24. This, this is what our whole worship set was built around right here. These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. They're not homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words to build a life on. And if you work these words into your life, then you'll be like a smart carpenter who built his house on a solid rock. The rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies, or, or if you only hear them when you come to church on Sundays and you don't actually work them into your life, you're going to end up being like a stupid carpenter who built his house on a sandy beach when a storm rolled in and the waves came up. That house collapsed just like a house of cards. What is he saying? He's saying that if we build our house on the foundation of God's word, 
which means God's word has to be more to us than what we hear for 35 or 40 minutes in a sermon on a Sunday. That's why we encourage you to get the app, man. You know, go, th- go through and get the notes. Monday morning when you get up, you need some, some devotion time, get back into the notes from this message today. Go back over these same scriptures. And the more you put that word in your heart, then that word becomes a foundation for you. Because the truth of the matter is, whether you build your house on a rock or the sand, there's a storm coming one day. It's not a negative confession. It's just life. Life is going to throw a storm at you at some point. The question is, when the storm hits, will you be built on a rock or on the sand? And if our house is built on a rock because we've learned to listen to God's word, work it into our daily lifestyle, make it more than a Sunday morning experience. Some people think that this is church and then tomorrow is real life. No, every day is real life for us. And the Bible fits for every day, which means the Bible will teach you how to be a good employee, how to be a good employer. The Bible teaches us how to be a good husband, how to be a good wife, how to be a good student even. The Bible will teach you how to build a business that lasts and causes customers to want to be attracted to you. When we build, work this word into our everyday life, then it builds us a language where we know how to recognize God's voice. The number one way to become more sensitive to God's voice is to work the Bible into your everyday life. Three quick ways to do that. Number one, start a daily Bible reading plan. You can go to YouVersion Bible app or one, something like that. Go, go online and even Google it, daily Bible reading plan. There's several out there that can allow you to every day read a few more scriptures, a few more chapters, and get through the whole Bible in a year if you want to. Even if you don't make it through the whole Bible, getting up every day, starting to read scripture for yourself starts to put the language of God in your heart. Number two, find a good church and get connected, which means don't be an eternal visitor. I mean, I think you should visit for a while. You shouldn't, shouldn't join the very first day unless you really feel led by God. But I think you ought to kick the tires. I think you ought to come several times and check it out. I think you ought to come, you know, in, 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 in through a few different seasons. See if you can handle me. Everybody can't handle me. I'm a lot. I, I, I believe in giving you the truth. Everybody, everybody's not ready for that. Make sure that the, that the environment works for you. But one, once you've done that, come on, once you've dated us for a while... At some point, put a ring on it. <laughs> Go to growth track. Come on, somebody. Get connected. Become a part of the family. Because there there's a certain flow of wisdom that won't flow through the pastor fully to you when you're not connected. It's like an umbilical cord, man. God is obligated to give me wisdom to help the people who are connected to this church. He has to. He has to, man. He can't ask me to shepherd this flock and won't give me the wisdom to give you. Well, I said, he's not obligated to give me wisdom for somebody who has not made a decision that they're connected to this space. But watch this. You should never connect to this church or any other church if you don't believe God is speaking that to your heart. Amen. Joining a church is one of the most important decisions you can ever make in your life. But it's also one that once God starts tugging at your heart, you don't want to delay it and delay it and delay it. You definitely want to delay it because you don't want the whole rest of the family to be mad at you because you left the family church. At the end of the day, everybody's spiritual well-being is something you got to stand and give an account to God for for yourself. All right, when you get to heaven, God's not going to call the whole Davis family up as a bunch. No, you got to stand before God for our own spiritual development. Then the third, the third way to get this word worked into your life is to show up every week at church with a hearing ear. A hearing ear. Remember at the beginning we said, if any man has ears to hear, let him be listening. I'll tell you what a hearing ear hears in a second. Because there's six different ways that people show up at church and hear the word of God. And I, I know this every, every week when I'm standing here. There's six different ways that you could be out there listening to the word. 
The first one that we don't want to have is an entertaining ear. An entertaining ear is an ear that's style motivated. They can only receive if the, if the style is a certain way. And I'm going to assume that because you've become a member here, you come to Impact Church, that my style is one that connects with you. But watch this. Even if I'm not here on stage, don't let your expectation go down. Because there are going to be some weeks that I'm on vacation, some weeks I may be you know, ministering somewhere else. But don't walk in and happen to not see me on stage. And then your expectation, you, you lower your whole expectation. Don't do that. You know why? Because George Davis is not Jesus Christ. I'm the messenger. And just because the main messenger happens to be out one week doesn't mean that the messenger himself is going to get a message to you. And what we got to do, watch this, is show up every week. And even if the person ministering, even if their style is not your favorite style, that's okay. Still lean in because God can still give you some good wisdom. If you come up with and show up with an expectation and make a draw, a demand on that gift that's on that stage. The second thing that we don't want to have is an itching ear. An itching ear is a looking for a flesh-appeasing word. The Bible says in the last days, there are going to be people that will go around with itching ears, jumping from one church to the next because they got offended at this church because the pastor said the truth. Then this pastor over here said the truth, so they left that church. And this pastor over here said the truth, so they left that church. So you got a bunch of church-hopping people in, in, in society today because they don't want to hear a word that's going to give us some growth and direction. Let's not have an itching ear where we're listening for a pastor to just tell us what we want to hear. Just because we really believe something or really want to do something doesn't mean it's right. And you want to have a pastor, leader, that's going to love you enough to tell you the truth, even when the truth hurts. Why? Because a shepherd is responsible for helping the sheep. The last thing you want to have is a shepherd that is so afraid of telling the truth that the sheep are walking toward the cliff. And the shepherd just watches them fall off the cliff because he didn't want to hurt their feelings. If I'm heading toward a cliff, hurt my feelings, hit me upside my head, <laughs> do whatever you got to do to get me turned around because I don't want to have an ear that's just itching to turn God into the image of what I want him to be. The third thing we don't want to have is a defensive ear. A defensive ear. That's when people think the pastor's talking about me. Like I spent the whole week writing my sermon just to get to you. Never mind the other thousands of people that I'm ministering to. Like I wrote my entire, oh, this going, I, I bet this guy, I bet they'll shut up after I write, say this one. <laughs> no, I love you, but baby, you ain't quite that important. Nobody's shaping a whole message to make it fit you. Sometimes it can feel that way. I mean, I, I know we've all sat out there at times and felt like, did, did the pastor got a bug in my house or something? We just had this conversation last night. You know what that is? That's the Holy Spirit, man. That's the Holy Spirit. I got a sign on the back wall right before I come up, up the ramp that says, it's a privilege to be on this stage. Thank you, God, for choosing me. And every day, every, every time before I come out here on the stage, I lay my hands on it, and this is what I ask God to do. I said, Lord, will you tailor make this message for this service? I got a set of notes, and if you, if you ever listen to multiple services on a Sunday, you'll know they're similar, but they're not the same. Because every service gets a little something different because I'm asking God to give me exactly what the people in that service need. Which means if it feels like I'm stepping on your toes or it feels like I'm talking about you, you ought to thank God that he loves you so much. Come on, somebody. That he would single you out and give you a word that's going to help get you right back where you need to be so you can end up walking in the victory that he destined for your life. Shout amen, somebody. Amen. Also, don't listen to the message with a critical ear. Where you're picking the whole thing apart. Ah, oh, that wasn't correct. 
He said Moses. That was really Noah. Well, we all know Moses wasn't on the ark, but if I said Moses, I made a mistake. It's what the Bible calls straining at a net and swallowing a camel. Getting so particular about the small thing that was said that you missed a big picture of how amazing that message was. Yeah, some folks say, well, yeah, 649 people got saved last week, but are they all being discipled? <laughs> we got a process for discipling them, amen? Point being, let's not, let's not get so critical. See, it, it takes a lot of pride to get that critical. It takes pride to be that critical to where you're breaking down every part of the message and you're judging what was said and not said. Let's learn how to show it with a heart that's wide open. Asking God to speak to us. The fifth, way, the fifth way we don't want to listen to the word is with an intellectual ear. Or we're just too smart for our own good. Nothing wrong with being smart. I, I mean, God gave us a brain for a reason. Don't turn it off. And to me, I mean, I, I'm a teacher gift, so, and I'm an engineer by training. So the way I even put a message together, it ought to stimulate you intellectually. Because I'm going somewhere. I, I know I'm trying to get you to the end of this thing. But don't get so smart to where we think God's got to prove everything to us. The Bible says that God will take the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. If, if, if you show with an intellectual mindset to where I don't believe anything that I can't personally prove, you'll get nothing out of the sermon. God will make sure you get nothing out of the sermon. Just like when Jesus preached, he, he, he gave parables. And when he got alone privately, he would tell the disciples exactly what he meant. He said, they said, well, why didn't you tell them that? He said, because they've already closed their own eyes. They've already shut their own ears. In other words, if I show up thinking I know it all already, there's no reason for God to tell me anything new. So how do we want to show up to hear the word? We want to show up with a hearing ear. A hearing ear just says, Lord, speak to me, Father. Uh, I I'm here and I'm ready to receive what you have. Lord, whoever's on the stage today, Father God, that's who you intended to be here. You knew I would be here. You knew they would be here. And I'm wide open to receive what you have for me, God. And when you show up like that, that's when you'll get God to give you a word that will transform every aspect of your life because he knows you and he knows how to speak to you in a way that will move you right to where he needs you to be. Come on, lift up your hands. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Father, that you are the good shepherd. We know your voice, the voice of a stranger we will not follow. And Right now, Father God, we're in boot camp. We're in training, training our heart to hear and recognize you better. And even this week, Father, I ask you to give us wisdom to know, Lord God, how to dive into your word better, how to go back and re-listen to the message even. Father, let those scriptures churn in our heart. Help us, Father, to get started on a Bible reading plan, Lord, so we can get more of your language in our heart and be able to recognize when you're speaking to us even more clearly. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give God a praise in this place. Come on, give him a praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. All right, every head bowed, every eye closed in prayer. Nobody moving, please. Nobody leaving out just yet. Every head bowed, every eye closed in prayer. If you're in this place today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to pray for you. I didn't say you were a bad person. You could actually be one of the nicest people in the entire room and still not be saved. That's because salvation is not something we can earn from God by just being good. Salvation is literally a free gift that God has given to mankind. He sent his son Jesus to pay the price for our sin, but he won't bulldoze his way into our hearts. He'll stand at the door and knock ask you to open the door and let him in, but it's totally your choice whether or not you continue to try to live life on your own terms and fix it all on your own, or whether you open up your heart to give Jesus a chance to come in to really be Lord of your life.
So if you're in this room today or if you're online and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, can I please pray with you today? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come up here to the front of the church. Right there at your seat or right there online, I want to lead you in a very simple prayer, but it will radically change your life. So I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, if you say yes, Pastor, if you give me permission to include you in on this prayer, when I get to three, I'm going to ask you to shoot your hand up as high as you can. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. When I get to three, I'm going to ask you to just... As, as, as excited as you are to see God do something new and amazing in your life, I'm going to ask you to demonstrate that excitement by raising your hand as high as you can. I'm getting ready to count to three. One, two, three. I'm going to lift that hand up. Thank you. Thank you. See the hand there. Another hand there. Beautiful. Another hand there. Another one there. Another hand there. Thank you. Another hand there. Beautiful. Another hand. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven hands there. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Another hand right there. Beautiful, beautiful. All over the room, hands are going up. Is there anybody else? Anybody else in here that say, yes, I'm ready to surrender my life to Jesus Christ? Yes, I'm ready to give him total control of my life. I'm ready to be born again, be saved. Those terms mean essentially the same thing. Anybody else? You can, you can put your hand down if you raise it so far. We're not here to embarrass you. I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer here in just a moment. I want to make sure I don't miss anybody else. Anyone else? We say, yes, Pastor. Thank you. See the hand there in the back. Anybody online? Just raise your hand right there at home, even though I can't see you. Let heaven know that you're saying yes. Anybody else before we pray? Thank you. Another hand there. Beautiful. Thank you. Another hand there. Beautiful. All right. Every one of you that raised your hand for prayer, I want you to whisper this prayer just loud enough for you in heaven to hear it. Say, dear God in heaven, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die in my place. I know he paid the price of my sin, and I know you raised him from the dead, and he's alive right now. So Jesus, come into my heart now. Save me. Forgive me, make me brand new. I surrender my whole life to you for the rest of my days. And according to the Bible, I am born again. Amen. Come on, get excited, Impact.